Well, my best appreciation to Don and to the, all the, those that are on the New Wave team, what you guys do as far as praying and uh, helping it move along and working through the city and uh, all the permits and plans and just kind of envisioning how this thing's going to work itself out. Um, so just make things better and uh, us more able to reach more people. And so we're excited about that and help equip people even more and more. So thank you for those of you that are part of it and encourage it to become part of that if, if you haven't already. Hey, my name is Paul. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's really good to see you guys um, out here today. And before we get any farther, I want to take a second and pray. Would you bow with me, please? Right now, Lord, as we look at um, your word and what it says, what it means, um, I pray that you'd give me the words and you'd help us to grasp this incredible gift that we have in the Bible. And so use these times in Jesus' name. Thank you. Hey, Winter Olympics is on. Um, this is the big thing, you know, we're right in the middle of the whole whole deal. And, and I like to watch it. I, I really enjoy watching the Winter Olympics. I love to go home and, and, and like to watch it. And there is just the incredible beauty of, of the figure skating. Go ahead, um, Melissa. There's that. It's just the grace and the, 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 uh, uh, the beauty of that kind of going on. Then there's the speed and the flat-out guts. Of the downhill, those people are just wild as they as they fly down the hill, and then there are the insane people that do this. <laughs> do you know what this is called? Anyone know what it's called? Luge is Norwegian for nuts. Okay, it's just it's got to be nuts as they go down like that. And then there's this one. There's this one here. Um, there's that. That's fun fun to watch. These are the people who say "dude" and "righteous" a lot right there. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite above all else is this right here. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Don't you just love it? I really, I really like watching this, believe it or not, me and my family. Why? It's because out of all the Olympic events ever, this is the only one I can conceivably ever do. You know, right there. See? All you need to have is like, no, go back, go back, 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 back. There you go. All you need is a hat. You know, look at that. You need a hat, and you need a little bit of a belly, and, and you're good to go right there on that kind of a thing. Of course, also the good thing about curling is you, you can get to wear snaggy clothes just like that. Isn't that wonderful? You know, like that. And, and at first, we, we laughed at it when we first started watching it because we thought, these are just a bunch of guys that throw big rocks down and use brooms, you know. And... Um, Basically, that's what it is, honestly, if you, think, if, you, if you think about it. But there are really rules and there's strategies to this whole thing called curling. And there are terms. There's the hammer and there's the biter and the hacks and the button and the house. And, and if you really want to watch it or understand it, you've got to get a little bit of this stuff down. You have to understand just a little bit out of it. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of guys in funny pants sliding rocks down the ice. But once you open up a little bit more of your head to figure out what's going on, it all makes sense, and you can really fully enjoy the whole thing. And, and that's true really for any sport. That's really true for anything. You know, once you kind of get a little bit deeper into it, a whole new world opens up. For instance, cooking. You know, cooking, you've got to know how to blanch and clarify and reduce and open the box and microwave, you know, and it all comes together <laughs> just like that. It's true for skateboarding. It's true for, it's true for surfing. It's true for playing Scrabble or growing roses. You need to know a little bit about it, and the more you know about it, the more fulfilling it's going to be, the more it's going to make sense to you, and the more you're going to enjoy it, and the more you're going to be able to just simply comprehend, you know, the, the, the greatness or the thought behind that whole thing. If you want to get good at anything, you've you got to know it. 
Bible says this, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate it on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have success. This is one of the few times in the Bible where God promises success and prosperity, right there. And it comes from what? Being involved in the Word of God. Having it be part of who you are and all that you do. Success comes from this thing called the Bible. So we're in a series, as as Pastor Len mentioned, called 40 Days in the Word. And we really want to let God's Word, the Bible, speak to us. And so what we want to do is we want to learn the Word, and we want to love the Word, and we want to then live the Word out in our lives daily. For then we will have prosperity, and then we will be successful. But, I mean, but it's not always an easy thing to, to, to get into, is it? I mean, honestly, it can be a little bit challenging. I turned to, for instance, this passage this past week, just kind of did the scripture dip thing. It was Amos 6.11, and it says this, For the Lord has given the command, and he will smash the great house into pieces and the small house into bits. And you think, what the heck does that mean, you know? I mean, honestly, you look at it, you want to get a word from God, you want to hear from him and maybe have him speak to your life and you want to make your way prosperous and have success. And what is God telling me to do? Get into the house wrecking business? You know, big, you know, wrecking ball thing going on. What does this have to do with me? What does it have to do with my life? How does that have to do with, with, with anything? Website that talks about embarrassing Bible verses and, and Bible stories. And it, and it does this kind of a hatchet job. On, on Bible, and there's lots of those out there, and it, and it says this, you know, it says, do you know the Bible tells you to hate your father and mother? You know, there it is, right there, and that's Jesus talking, hate your father and mother. Or Jesus said this, I've come to bring a sword, it's a violent book, and then there's actually this prayer, God shatter their teeth in their mouth, and what they'll do is pick, people will pick and choose, and they will find these verses, and they'll yank them out, and they'll put them down, and they'll say, the Bible is a very wicked, evil book, filled with adultery, and it's filled with incest, and genocide, and murders, and killings. In fact, it's, they will say one of the most violent books that you could ever read, so keep your kids away from it, because it has all these things in it. And some people will say, and sometimes you say, how do I defend against that? You know? What kind of a God do I have? that writes about this kind of stuff. And what am I supposed to do with these kinds of verses? How do I find and understand the meaning of a text? Now, there are answers to this. And they're not that hard to figure out, and they're not that hard to understand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a few of the principles, a few of the words on how to really, I guess, understand your Bible or interpret your Bible or grasp it, and there's going to be some words that we're going to be covering and looking at. And as we talk about kind of this whole thing in 40 days in the Word, this may be the more academic of, of, of all of them. But I hope these words will help you as you get in your Bible, okay? First of all, number one, you have to ask, you have to ask what type of writing this is. 
what type of writing is this? Any of you, um, any of you still get a newspaper? Any of you still get a newspaper? We want, yeah, not that many now, huh? It's kind of it's going the way of the dinosaur. We still get the Half Moon Bay Review. We still subscribe to the review, and it comes every Wednesday. And we like it. We like it because it has you know, stories about local kids and a lot of kids that we know, you know, and they're doing well in sports or so-and-so has been able to graduate or go here or talks about what's happening in different parts of Half Moon Bay and, and on, on the coast side. And we really in, in, enjoy reading it. If you look through it, you know, it has, like all newspapers, it has different sections to it. You know, you understand that. You know, for instance, it's got on the record, it's got on this page, it's got the opinion section. If you go a few farther pages out, you'll get um, senior living, and then you'll get arts and entertainment and community. And it's got here, of course, what all guys go to first is the what? Sports section. Okay, it's got the sports section here, and, and you read it. Now, suppose... I am, I am I'm going to be looking at a newspaper. Or you read a newspaper. Every time you go from one section to another, your brain switches. Okay? Doesn't it? It switches when you go from opinion section to the news section. Your brain does a little bit of a switch. So you start to look at this other section a little bit differently than you looked at the previous section. Does that make sense to you? You know, you know that when you're reading the opinion section, it's going to be somebody's what? Opinion, someone's opinion. When it's news, it's going to be what? News of what's going on in the community. Your brain switches. So, for instance, let's say I'm, 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 I'm reading the newspaper, I'm reading the review, and, and as I'm reading it, it says this. Cougars take down bulldogs. Okay? Cougars take down bulldogs. Well, what does that mean? You know, what, what, what does that mean? It could mean a couple of things, Okay? It could mean, for instance, that some mountain lions attacked some bulldogs, okay? Some mountain lions came down from the hills, you know, and they attacked someone's bulldogs in their yard. And if it was in the news section, if that article was in the news section, you know, that's the way I'd read it. In the news section, I would read it exactly that way. And I'd freak out, and I'd bring in my dog, and I might tell you to bring in your cat, you know, bring that one in too, okay? You should probably bring that in as well. So that's how I would see it. This is in the news section. It's right there, you, you know. Now, what if it were in the what? The sports section. I would read it in an entirely different way. Wouldn't you? You'd see it entirely different that the Half Moon Bay Cougars, whether it was basketball team or it was the soccer team or whether it was the, the football team, actually defeated another team called the Bulldogs. You know, the Cougars defeated or beat up or, or ate up or devoured or you know, mauled up the, the Bulldogs. We were treated entirely different. Why? Because you have different eyes when you're looking at that particular section. You read it entirely different. And we do that all the time whenever you're reading the Internet or looking at something online or when you're looking at something in the newspaper or even in a book. We use different eyes. Now, we don't think about it when we make those switches, but we do, and we do it all the time. Well, the same is honestly true with the Bible. Just as a newspaper has different parts that I look at with different eyes, so does the Bible. It has different parts, and I will look at it with entirely different eyes. And I want to quickly move through the different parts of the Bible and help you adjust your lenses or adjust your focus on those particular parts so that we can see what God intended us to see. Okay? First of all, there's the history. All right? A large part of your Bible, actually, is history. 
you know, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John would be considered history. And it would be the story of Jesus, you know, the story and the life of Jesus. A huge chunk of the Old Testament is history, as it has from the beginning all the way through, <clears throat> really, almost the end of the Old Testament, where it talks a lot about everything that was happening through the nation of Israel from its creation to its exile to its coming back into the land. It's historical. And there's kings and there's empires and there's people movements. And there's things that are happening that are historical. And in those records, it records what people did. Sometimes it's good stuff. A lot of times it's what? It's bad stuff. In the Bible, there's a human record of people doing good things and doing bad things. Now, why does it reveal people doing bad things? Because God wants to get a point down. That life without God, your life will go bad. You'll do bad. The eyes, when I look at the historical sections of the Bible, these are historical accounts in the Bible. They show me who God is and how he's involved in working through his creation. Stories tell me what happened. Okay, Not necessarily what should have happened. In fact, most of the time, it's a story of people acting crazy because their life is without God. See how it works? The Bible is a story of the record account of humanity that has fallen or stepped away from God. And this is now what life is like when you don't have God in your life. And it doesn't go very good. The Samson film came out the other night. You know, Samson. Ta-da, you know, it's, it's out in theaters now. And if you, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but they've seen, I've seen the pictures of it. And, and he's standing between the two pillars, you know. He's got the pecs, you know, they're all there like that. He's all, he's all flexed up and, and, and looking really good. And, and you think, oh, man, Samson, man, he's one of the heroes of the Bible. Is Samson a particularly good role model? I think not. Yeah, not, 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 not good at all. Samson was a narcissistic womanizer. He had an ego, a huge ego, massive ego, and he had a bad temper, okay? Now, what does the story of Samson show? Is he somebody who we're supposed to follow? Because a critic of the Bible could say, look at Samson. I mean, look at what he did. He committed adultery, you know, killed a lot of people, you know, he had a temper. You know, your Bible talks about people like that. Of course it does. Because Samson is the story of a guy that had all the potential in the world. But because he didn't open his life to God, it's a story of a failed life. He did nothing with his life until the very, very end. You see how it works? Of course the Bible has lots of these kinds of crazy, wacky stories. Because it's a record of a fallen humanity. And God beginning to try and reach back down to people and say, if you turn to me, there's hope. There's salvation. You can get help in all of this. I'm not embarrassed by the stories in the Bible. They prove the point. They prove the point of this. Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. There it is. It's right there. Second, there's songs and poetry. Songs and poetry. Any of you have a favorite song? You guys, uh, any of you have a favorite song? You know, a song that just kind of runs through your head all the time? You know what song is stuck in my brain, and I cannot get it out? It's stuck there, and I just cannot wedge it out. It's, it's this one. 
1877 Cars for Kids, K-A-R. I hate that song, but it's there. It's just there. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and it's 1877. It's, like, it's demonic, honestly. I swear it's, de- it's demonic. And I, if it comes on TV, I can't find the remote quick enough to turn it off. Now, the Bible has lots of songs and it has lots of poems. The primary book is the book of Psalms. And, and apart from that unforgettable Cars for Kids song, songs usually reveal what? They reveal emotions. They reveal feelings. They, they reveal thoughts. You know, that which the author, oftentimes an artist, is feeling at that moment, at that time. And sometimes it's in wonderfully expressive language. Listen to this. Psalm 42 each day the Lord pours his unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing his songs, praying to God who gives me life. Now, does that mean literally that the whole night long the guy just simply sings songs about God? Of course not. You know, otherwise he'd never get any sleep, you know? We understand what that means because it's in poetic language. We get it. Why? Because our eyes have been adjusted now to see this as a song. And then there's some other psalms that say this. Oh, God shatter their teeth in their mouth. And we think, oh, is he really wanting all their teeth to fall out and have to get all kinds of dental work? Of course not. It's his feeling at the time of a person that's doing him wrong. And if you want to think that that's really, really bad, well, what are the thoughts that go through your mind when somebody's tailgating you up 92, okay? All right? If you were to write a song at that point in time, it may be even worse. I was thinking through songs this, this week. Um, A number of years ago, it was the number one song in America. It was by that group, America. Look it up, okay? America. And they did a song called Horse With No Name. And have you ever heard that song, the oldie goldies, Horse With No Name? Yeah. Have you ever listened to the words? It's the most ridiculous song in the world. I hate that song. I just hate that song. And I went to their concert, though. But the guy says, I've been through the desert with a what? Horse With No Name. Felt good to get out of the rain, you know? In the desert, you can what? Remember your name. What's with the guy in names? His horse doesn't have a name. He's having trouble remembering his own name, you know. And then he says after three days, you know, in the desert sun, you know, blah, blah, blah. He still is riding through the desert with a horse with no name after three days. I'm thinking it's been three days. Just name the stupid horse, okay? It's not, it's not that hard. But their expression, I don't know what they're expressing, by the way, in that song. I never could figure it out. But they are expressing something like this. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Have you ever felt like that? Any of you ever felt like that? There it is. God revealing and inspiring a writer to reveal my thoughts and my feelings. They express a writer's feelings at a particular time over circumstances, um, God and God's plan. Next section is prophecy. A whole lot of the Old Testament is that. Um, from the book of Isaiah all the way through Zechariah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's a large section, and we always think the prophecy is what? You know, it's like what you get when you go to Panda Express, and they give you those fortune cookies, and you open them up, and, and there it is. You know, there's your prophecy right there. It's going to tell you what's going to happen in the future. It's not that way. That's not what Bible prophecy is all about. We always think it's somehow foretelling the future, and, and yes, some of it is. For instance, prophecy in the Bible has two meanings. It has foretelling the way things are going to be, the way God thinks God is going to make things. But there's a second way that it's used. In fact, the majority of prophecy in the Old Testament is this way. It's foretelling, meaning this is the way things are. 
okay? This is the way things are. There's foretelling the future, but there's also forthtelling. This is the way things are. It's just simply the prophet would come and say, look, this is the way life is. This is just what's going on right now in, in, in this situation or in this society. For instance, let me read this, and you tell me if this is foretelling the future or forthtelling the way things are. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised have, and cared for have rebelled against me. Even an ox knows its master, and a donkey recognizes its master's care. Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. That's not foretelling the future, is it? That's what? That's foretelling. That's saying this is just the way things are. And this is what God reveals again and again and again. Look, this is the way things are. And so sometimes you look and say, I don't know what this means. You know, I don't know what this means. What in the world is this thing going to mean? Oftentimes, this guy just simply saying, look, this is just the way things are. This is just the way you guys are acting. And then it goes to this. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. That's not foretelling. That's what? That's foretelling. Looking ahead to Jesus Christ. By the way, in order to move through that, know the difference, this is why I recommended a really good study Bible. It will help you with this. And I would plead with you, the most important investment you could make this week, maybe even your entire life, it's 50 bucks for a good study Bible. Okay, somebody was showing me his Nelson study Bible. It's great. There's the Ryrie study Bible. It's great. There's the NIV study Bible. They're great. Look online and find one and get one. Okay, next. Now, the next part is you have to adjust your eyes to the laws. Okay, all those laws. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This is the stuff you skip, okay? When you're reading the Bible, you skip this part, okay? And because you get all screwed up when you read them. Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. What do I do with that one, you know? Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. Do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. What the heck? And why did God do that? And what's going on with that? There are over 600 laws that are like that. And they deal with everything from food to holidays to work, rest, food, clothing, sex, crime, property, and skin diseases. And there's a lot on the skin disease stuff. You know, it's like enough of the skin disease. You know, I, I get it. But this is the part of the Bible where everyone gets freaked out about it. Everybody gets freaked out about this part of the Bible. You know, you know your Bible says this, you know. Uh, we must slay our neighbors because they were caught and mixed with wool. And the Bible says they must die. Or our neighbors, I looked in their backyard, and they've got, they've got cauliflower planted here, and they've got artichokes planted there. So we're supposed to go kill them because the Bible says that. They say, therefore, since it says that, and that's stupid, then what's the point of reading any of it? Because it all must be what? Stupid. You know, and if you're going to, if you want to obey this part of it, well, then you got to obey that part. And I want to say, oh, good grief, really? <laughs> you know, really, you really want to go there? You really want to think that way? You think that's what it's saying? Because when you read the law, you adjust your eyes. And your eyes adjust to this. These are rules for God's people in a specific time and a specific place. Those laws were for them, Israel couple thousand years ago. They're not for me. They never were for me. 
They were never written for me. They were never intended for me. They were intended for Israel entering into a whole new land with a bunch of pagan people that all kinds of weird pagan things and, and felt like if you, if you were able to mix your garments with two kinds of material that gods would bless you high above all else and that somehow you'd be closer to these weird pagan gods. And that's why God said, don't do that. I don't want you to be like them. And they felt like if you mixed your crops together, somehow, some way, the weird gods, the fertility gods, would bless you even more so. And so God said, just don't do that. Just don't. Don't do that. Those laws were never intended for you, and they were never intended for me, and they were never intended for anybody, but for those people back then at that time for that reason. Those laws are not my laws, because I'm not an Israelite in 1500 B.C. Canaan. Last kind, last time. I adjust my eyes to the letters. That's 40% of the New Testament. And these are the kinds, these are the things that we like to read. You know, we like to read Romans and 1 Corinthians and Galatians, Ephesians, because they speak to us. Because why? It's because the people are a whole lot like us in that time. Some are hard. 1 Corinthians 7 1, it's good for a man not to marry. What the heck does that mean? Well, you look at that one in context. We'll get to that in a second. Most are really easy, like this one. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And those are easy to follow because they were written to Christ followers. And I read them like that. I read them like letters written to Christ followers. And I pull those principles out and I want to apply them to my life. So, what kind of literature is it? you open the Bible, what are you looking at? Letters or laws, songs, history, prophecy? You know, what am I looking at? And you adjust your eyes and it begins to make sense. A couple other words that I just want to share with you. First of all, look for the context. Look for the context. Context just means what's going on before and what's going on after, after that. Um, how is this for a verse? 1 Corinthians 6.19. Do you not know that your body is a temple? Isn't that cool? Isn't that a great verse? My body is a temple. I tell that to Lisa every night. My body is a temple. You know? See? See? It's, it's, here it is. It's a temple. And, and she'll say, well, it's pretty ancient and it needs remodeling, but it's a temple. And that verse actually, and I'm going to have you look this one up on your own, has nothing to do with how I take care of my body, my exercise, whether I do goat yoga or not. Whether I eat more vegetables or less has nothing to do with how I take care of my body. In that regard, it has everything to do with my heart and my morality in life. Everything to do with that. Next word, use common sense. Use common sense when you read the Bible. Just use common sense. Don't try and look for super special meanings, super spiritual meanings, whatever you read. If what you read makes sense, don't go looking for some super secret hidden sense. Okay? And if all of a sudden you've come up with something that no one else in history has ever come up with, pulled out of that verse, guess what? You're wrong. Okay? You're wrong. All right? The Bible's the most studied, looked at book that's ever, ever been written, ever in that. Last one. See it pointing to Jesus. Jesus makes this incredible statement. He says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. The scriptures point to what? They point to me. And that means what you can do is you can take every single part of scripture 
and say, in some way, it begins a journey towards Jesus Christ. Every single thing that's in there. Every part of it. The laws. Why were the laws there? They were there to reveal that we can't do it apart from God. Why is the history there? It's to show that we, apart from God, we screw up. We blow it all the time. And then all those crazy symbols. It's like, why did God say in the temple, you have to do it this way? And there's a holy place. But inside the holy place, there's the most holy, the holy of holies. And no one can go in there except a high priest. And that's only once a year. And there's going to be a big, thick curtain that's going to separate it. Do you know why God did that several thousand years before Jesus? Because God knew at some point in time there was going to be somebody that was going to come in when when the veil tore from top to bottom when Jesus was on the cross. And Jesus, symbolically, as our great high priest, went in the presence of God and offered himself for us. The Old Testament is filled with signs and signposts and shadows. Shadows aren't the real thing, but they can sometimes look fairly close to the real thing, but they're not that. And when Jesus came, he was the real thing. The real thing. They point to Jesus. They're always pointing to Jesus Christ. I, I'm going to invite the worship team. You guys, come on up if you would, please. Um, when I, uh, I'm coming home from L.A., some, I have family that lives down there, and sometimes I'll be driving home. And, um, you know, as I get on the freeway, I-5, it says I-5 North. It's a big general broad thing. But I know I'm kind of heading home, but I'm still a long way off because it just says I-5 North. And I'm driving up, and there's a split on I-5. And, it says you can go this way or you can go that way to Sacramento and Bakersfield. And I think, I don't want to go there. You know, I don't want to go to Bakersfield. I want to go towards San Francisco. And I'm getting closer, but it's still broad. It's still broad. And then hit 580, and it'll say 580 West, and it'll say Hayward. And I know that's the way I want to go because I want to go west now because that's where I live. And then it'll say, as I go on, it'll say 92, 92 San Mateo, and I'll take that. Why? Because I know that's going to get me closer to where I live. And then I just get across 92, and I keep going on 92. All of a sudden, and there's the sign as I go down on 280. It'll say, 280, I can go this way to San Francisco, or I can go that way to Redwood City, or I can go straight, and I go where? To Half Moon Bay. Because that's my home. This is what the Bible is. It starts out general and broad, begins to point in a direction, gets closer and closer and it narrows down, narrows down, narrows down. All of a sudden you realize everything is taking me home to Jesus Christ. This is why it's here. This is the point of it all. Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Bow your head with me at this moment. Bible is an incredibly special book. It's not magical. It is God revealing to us through stories and history and that we can't do it on our own. Through laws that we could never keep. But then it has the story of Jesus Christ who was able to take upon himself your sin the cruddy, stupid things you did. Things that you're ashamed of that you'd never tell anybody. He took them on himself. And he willingly, voluntarily died on a cross for you. That's the love of God for you. Someone else could take your place. 
please, if you've never accepted Jesus, this would be the day for it. Maybe to say, Jesus, I am accepting you as my Savior, the one who saves me. Come into my heart, come into my life. God, thank you for this great book, the Bible. Points to Jesus. Points to you. And it points to home.